and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's going on, Anthony? Not much, David. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, you you enjoy your uh, West Coast trip? It was uh, it's, it it felt like a normal West Coast trip. I got sick along the way. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I, I must say in these days it, it's not COVID. It's just a cold. But yeah, usually I get sick on those trips just because of the travel and the time change and staying up late and and all that. But uh, covered this one from home and still still felt a little ill. So. But it was, I mean, it was a good trip for the Heat. It was productive for them, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, knock on wood, I haven't really gotten sick at all during COVID. I, I tend to not get sick very often, especially now that we're not, like, on planes all the time and traveling. I, I can't imagine what, like, that first time I get sick, like, the first time you get sick during this, and you have, as people know, a, a young daughter, so obviously conducive to yeah. Uh, getting sick, the the panic of like, oh my god, do I have this? Do I not? You said you've been tested a million times over the last week. Like, uh, I'm fortunate that I haven't had to go through all that yet. Yeah, I myself, I'm I'm confused as how I got it too, just because we don't really see anybody. But I guess all it takes is one little one little slip up, or you see one person, and 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 that's how. But uh, yeah, it is. It it, it that, this is my first time getting sick in a year. So I, I guess I'll take the that uh I'll take that stretch of, of not of not yeah. getting sick. Um, as you mentioned, uh pretty productive road trip for the Heat. Uh we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but uh let's start off the top with um all star news today. The the team we're recording this actually uh Tuesday night. I'm heading up to Lakeland for uh some high school basketball state championships. So we're recording a, a little early this week. Um, you know, if something crazy happens in that the Raptors game on Wednesday night, maybe we'll do an emergency session. But um, no matter what, this all-star thing, is, it's kind of interesting. It's been interesting all along because of, obviously, this unusual season where more guy, more top guys than ever have, have missed significant time, um, primarily because of COVID and, and league protocols. Um, also, just like we're, what, what voting was finalized – I guess today. So, how many games did the Heat play? Were they fourteen and seventeen? Thirty-one like games. And I, I think I don't thirty-one know, like, games. I don't know the exact date that coaches have turned in their votes, but it was probably before today. Right. Let's Might say so like most teams have yeah. played like twenty-nine games, which is obviously less than in a normal eighty-two game schedule, but also just even less than whatever that is proportionally. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, like in a if this was an eighty-two game schedule, I'd basically come out to, like, 32 games or whatever. Um, so it's weird that, you know, the Heat – so the Heat, obviously, no All-Stars. Last year, Bam and Jimmy, uh, both All-Stars. Bam for the first time. Jimmy uh, in his debut season with the Heat. This year, Jimmy obviously missed uh, quite a bit of time uh, in league protocols. Um, Bam missed a handful of games and – you know, played really well statistically when Jimmy was out, but the Heat, we're going to talk about this later, just the fact they have not, as a team, played well when Jimmy is not out there, and that obviously reflects on Bam to a certain degree. Um, were you surprised when you saw this? I kind of, I, I'm a little surprised that they didn't get anyone. Um, I, I kind of had to resign myself to Jimmy not getting in which is kind of stupid because, like, he's obviously the best guy on the team, and he was 
I kind of thought Bam was going to get in and not Jimmy. Where where did you come down and, and just what was kind of your reaction? I said before, you know, before the results came out, I said the only way I'd be surprised is if both made it. Like, I just didn't think right. both would make it since yeah. they have a losing record. Um, even though I do think they're probably two of the best 12 players in the East. I, would, I, I, I feel pretty confident with saying that. Um, yeah. But just with the way the season's gone, I didn't think both would make it. But I came away once I found out that neither of them made it. I was, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, honestly. I thought, I, I kind of thought in the back of my mind that one would get in. And I thought it would be Bam, just because he's been available most of the time. Yeah, he's got the um, counting stats. Yeah, he's got the counting stats, and he's, you know, very good defensively. They're a top 10 defense. Um, he's kind of the anchor of the defense. Um, so I, I thought he would get in. But I mean, you look, it's hard to argue with the guys who made it. I mean, I guess you could point to Vooch. I mean, he's on a team, you know, in the Magic who has even a worse record than the Heat. He got in, but he's averaging, I think, 25 points, like 11 rebounds or something like that. Like, he's having a really good season. So it's really hard to argue. And then the guys who were left out, um, there's a lot of guys that you could say you got snubbed. Like, Sabonis didn't get in. Um, Trey Young didn't get in. Fred Van Vliet didn't get in. Um, who else? Uh Jeremy Grant, who's having a really good season, yeah. Siakam, like it was really tough. Tobias Harris, like there was a the reserves, uh, the, the 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 ballot to pick their East reserves that that was pretty much impossible. Like there just wasn't enough room for all the guys who deserved it. Yeah. Um. Again, it's it's weird because Jimmy is so clearly one you know one of the thirty best guys, or I guess what is it, twenty four best guys in the league. Clearly one of the 12 best guys in the East. Probably closer to being a top five guy in the East than he is to being the 13th best guy in the East. Maybe closer to being, like, the fourth best guy in the East behind, like, the obvious, like KD, Giannis, Harden. Like, you can make a really strong case that just knowing, you know, we know what he did in the finals last year. And, and obviously that doesn't count towards this season. And then, again, he missed all that time. It just, based on this season, it was hard to make a case. And like I said, it, it kind of is interesting because, like, bam, you just look at the numbers, no-brainer, all-star, but, but I think the losing record hurt him because he was the guy out there, and then Jimmy just doesn't have the numbers, but, like, it's like the thing that worked against bam should have, like, been the case for Jimmy, basically, and, and they both just kind of got left out on it, which, again, like, not totally surprising, but, um, but, you know, Disheartening. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it still makes you game. Like, it, who really yeah. cares? But I don't know. Still, like, it, do it we really need you... Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and neither of Jimmy or Bam? Like, the Celtics have not exactly set the world on fire. Like, I know Jalen Brown is like a no-brainer guy this year, but like, come on. Like, they're a, fi- they're a 500 team, right? Right. Like, they have not exactly set the world on fire, and and obviously Jason Tatum missed a lot of time in, in COVID protocols too. Um. And then, yeah, I think you – I mean, like, Vooch you mentioned, but, again, his numbers are, are really good. And, and it's not like he's, like, a first-time All-Star. Like, he's kind of a – I don't want to say a staple in the All-Star game, but he's been there before, so it's not like he's a – we're not rewarding a one-year one. Like, I kind of get Jeremy Grant being left out, even though his numbers are really good, because that team is terrible. And, like, it's kind of like – you know, he's done this for – what would we say? There's 31 games in. I don't know how many the Pistons have played, but, like – He's done this for basically 30 games of his career. Like, it's not like he was doing anything close to this in Denver. I kind of get, like, rewarding a guy like Booch. I get rewarding a guy like, like Randall, 
uh, because the Knicks have been kind of a pleasant surprise, and, and he's kind of been a guy who's put up all-star type numbers for bad teams before, and kind of obviously holding firm with that this year in New York. Um, but again, like, I mean, Jimmy Butler is like the fifth best guy in the East and he's not in the game, which like kind of defeats the whole purpose of the thing. But like last year, Paul George got left out because he missed a bunch of time in the first half. Um, like it, it happens. It happened honestly to Jimmy, uh, two years ago, the year he left Minnesota for, for Philly, he wasn't in the game because obviously he, uh, wasn't playing a whole lot in Minnesota and, and obviously got traded. Um, so it's not like unprecedented. The Heat are obviously in a weird situation. Um, I, I think, I think Bam will enjoy the rest. Like, I know he's the kind of guy who just would have certainly gone and played, but like his workload is obviously really ramped up. Um, and but from basically the time the bubble began until now, without much break, every little space you can get to give him a breather, especially. Because it's not like the Heat are going to probably have a lot of chances to rest down the stretch. Um, will be helpful. Um, but again, like Jimmy, again, he's a top five guy in the East and he's not in this game. Yeah. I, I, and I think we should point out that the coaches pick the all-star right. reserves. So I know people like to criticize the media. This was <laughs> not the media's decision. Like, I, I know I'm not, I'm not criticizing the coach's decision, but because yeah, it was a very tough one, but it was yeah. the coaches who, who picked the reserves. Um, and I wanted to point out another couple other things. Um, to your point about Jimmy, the Heat are, they were three and nine in the 12 games Jimmy missed. And they're 11 and eight when he's been, on, when he's been available. Um, and you look deeper into the numbers. He has outscored our opponents by 4.2 points for hundred, hundred possessions when Jimmy's playing. And they've been outscored by 7.4 points per hundred possessions when he hasn't been on the court. That's like, that's an 11 point difference. Um, this team is totally different when Jimmy's playing. He's one of the best players in the East. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He deserves to be an all-star. I kind of, I, I kind of understand why he didn't get it just because he missed 12 games, but you know, I, you look at those numbers and just when he has been available, he's been super impactful. So, um, I, I, I think if it was like another player it in the same situation, like you just switched the name, um, I think the carryover from the finals probably would have been enough to put them in. I, I just do. Like, I think I think there's something to be said about that. Like, the carryover of what he did in the finals last year should have been enough with how he's, you know, paired with how he's played this season to probably put him in into the All-Star game. Do you, do you think that should kind of – I know everyone has a different way of voting, but do you think that should have made a difference? I think, like, it's – to me, I've always kind of viewed it as a reward this season um, with kind of, like, just – put the guys in, like, there, there's obviously, like, certain guys that I, I feel like just should get the nod. Jimmy's kind of, like, on the border of that, like, elite group of eight that's, like, basically no matter what they do. Um, I just threw out eight as kind of a random number because that's about what it feels to me. But um, he's kind of, like, on the border of that group. Um, and then you use that kind of as the tiebreaker. But, again, this, like, this is so weird. Not Again, not just because of how many guys have missed games, you know, Jimmy, uh, KD, um, you know, Harden, Kyrie, for various reasons, but a lot of that because of the COVID protocols. Um, but also just because in a normal year, we wouldn't be picking these all-stars for another basically 10-plus games, like even when you prorate the size or prorate it for 72 versus 82. Like if, if 
if they're picking the All-Stars two and a half weeks from now, Jimmy's probably getting in. And it's just, like, kind of a weird quirk of the way this, this schedule um, has worked. And obviously, like, when he's missed time, too. Like, one of my, like, weird things that's kind of always fascinated me is um, – I should pull this up to make sure I'm right here. But, like, that Steph Curry – or maybe it was Dame Lillard. Maybe – honestly, maybe both of them were all NBA guys before they were ever all-stars because they, like, broke out in the second half of the year. Um, you'll see that in, like, baseball a lot. Um, where, where guys, you know, it's just like a weird quirk of timing where if Jimmy missed 12 games in the second half of the season, obviously it wouldn't affect his all-star candidacy. Right. So it's just this weird, it's like a weird confluence of circumstances. Like we're probably spending way too much time talking about the all-star game, but I like the all-star game. I think a lot of people like the all-star game. Uh, now we don't have to really pay attention to the all-star game this year. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's always the chance of an injury replacement, but again, there's yeah. so many options that they could turn to like Sabonis or, um, you know, Van Vliet, like, there's a lot of guys. It, it's not just going to be automatically Bam or Jimmy. You know, they, it might be them, but there, there's other guys that some might consider ahead of those two. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just interesting because, I mean, this team won the East last season, and all of a sudden they don't have an all-star. Yeah. I mean, they had, they've had they had an all-star. Goran was an all-star um, three seasons ago for a team that, I guess they made the playoffs that year, but barely. And yeah. then Dwayne played in his final NBA season – uh, in 2019, that te- that team didn't make an All Star. I mean, that team didn't make the playoffs. And then yep. last year, obviously, they had the two All Stars. So, um, I I I would find it funny that if Jimmy, you know, Jimmy doesn't play in the All Star game, but he makes an All NBA team, which you know maybe is not likely, just with the way the season's going and how good so many you know there's so many good players at that position. But it, it's a possibility. Like, there's a chance he could make an All NBA team if this team really turns it around. He continues to play at this level, and he wasn't. He wasn't an all star. So, um, yeah, just something to, I guess, to, to think about. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's kind of funny. Remember this time last year? Sorry. Would go you, ahead. So, would you? Would you? If you're Bam, would you go to Atlanta to defend your skills uh, challenge crown? If you're not, you know, if he's not an all star game, or would you pass on that? I think I would pass. Yeah. He's gonna. I mean, I'm guessing <laughs> he's gonna be. I'm guessing he's gonna be invited because he's the defending champion, but. Uh, yeah, such a weird year that I don't know if I would just go for 15 minutes of an event um, and have to be in a hotel for 24 hours. Yeah, um, it's funny. Like last year, that he like really dominated the All Star Weekend, and I no one's gonna show up this year. They're not doing a rookie game, right? No, it's just uh, skills, three point, and dunk. Yeah, and then the game, and they're doing it all like on one night, right? Yeah, the skills and the three-pointer pregame, and then the dunk is at halftime. Yeah. I mean, like, I I just can't see any of those. Like, I'm sure, like, I know Duncan's, like, had his ups and downs this year, but I'm sure he'll get invited to the three-point contest or, or definitely be on the list. But I can't imagine any of those guys are going to go just to do that competition, right? Like, I have a really hard time imagining them getting a lot of guys to show up for these contests. Yeah, I feel like the NBA should use that, like this unique situation as the year where they just make all the All Stars participate in the right, events, like exactly. LeBron's in the dunk contest, and um, yeah, like it would be. All- I mean, I kind of would love that, like to see the All Stars in the dunk contest. My God, like that's what we've been yeah. waiting for. Like they, that's really what they should do because to make players just go up for a day to yeah, participate no as a halftime show, like yeah, yeah, that's that's a little much. But I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure like yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Duncan gets invited and he goes just because. Yeah, I, I guess mean, he just, hasn't won. I was, I was thinking he'd won, but I guess he didn't win last. Yeah, year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But do you think Derek uh, Jones will go? Obviously, not a, not a heat heater anymore, but uh, I think he will. If he gets, I mean, I'm guessing he'll be invited because he's the defending champ too. But so I, I think I think he'll go. I think he'll go. I just think like guys like Bam who were right on the fringe of making the All Star game. To then go just for the skills challenge, like it might be, it might be a little bit of a different feeling for them. Zion in the dunk contest should be as an all star. Yeah, Don't exactly. So I'm thinking of like the guys who actually like might do this because they're there and because the NBA is gonna have a hard time. I think getting some guys to show up, like it'll be easy Not to close. find like eight, six guys to do the three point contest or whatever. Like, but yeah, the dunk contest. Yeah, Zach Levine. Like that's what I'm thinking. Zach Levine. Zion. Aiden would be nice. Aiden. Um, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Is, I think he did it before, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think early on. Da- Damian is already in the three-point contest, so. Oh, is he? Yeah, I, I, it might it might be a thing that NBA tries to do just to limit the amount of guys they have to invite, but I'm sure they're going to invite outside you know guys who don't make the All-Star game as well. Yeah, Lillard also did a dunk contest once, so. He did. They got some guys. They got some guys who who make sense. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. That's way too much All Star talk <laughs> for, for a team that doesn't have any All Stars. Uh, also today, uh, let's wrap up with the news of the day before we kind of uh, talk about that West Coast trip. Uh, he get that four point seven million dollar player exception uh, for the Myers Leonard injury. Um, you're pretty savvy on all this cap stuff. What what does this mean? Well, it just it's just another tool to add a free agent. Um, you, you basically you you can only use it for you know sign a player for the rest of the season, pretty much. Like you can't sign a player for two or three years. It's just for this season. Um, but it's you know they out of the exceptions they have, it's probably their best one because the biannual exception um, is three point six. So this you know the the four point seven gives them more money to offer um, and. If they don't use this this um, disabled player exception, um, they lose it. So I think the deadline is April 19th to use it. If they don't if they don't use it, they lose it. The biannual you can't use in consecutive seasons. So if you use it this year, then you lose it next season. So I right. I think you know if they're gonna if they're gonna use one of these exceptions to sign a guy, it's gonna be the disabled player exception because it allows them to offer more money. They'll lose it if they don't use it, and. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they have the trade. They also have the trade exception, but that's obviously to get a get a player in a trade. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty important, especially if you're looking to add a guy in the buyout market. Um, the disabled player exception is probably going to come in handy. You uh, feel pretty confident they use it. I mean, yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't, right? Like, yeah. obviously, we're waiting to see what the well, buyout market's going to look like. They have to wait someone to to fit it, right? Yeah, they were, they have 15 guys in the roster, so they'd have to waive a player. And you know, you think you look down the roster. I mean, Chris Silva or guys like that that aren't playing. You know, you, you know, you, that that might be the way to do it. But um, yeah, it's going to take some maneuvering just because yeah, they have a full roster. Right. Um, but but they have room below the tax, so it's not. I know the Heat don't want right, to cost right. tax this season. I think they have eight million dollar cushion, eight million dollar cushion. So even the four point seven million dollars wouldn't wouldn't put put them, you know, over the tax line. So that's that's another reason I think they use it, just because they have the room, they have the exception. If there's a guy they think they can help them, 
why wouldn't you do it? You know, mm-hmm. um, and they don't need to use the exception to sign a free agent. I mean, they could trade for a player in the final season right. of his contract and use it as a trade exception. Um, but I just think it, it it's probably going to the most likely scenario is they use it to, to sign a, a guy who gets bought out because the bio market looks like it might be kind of interesting this season. Yeah, it also helps, I guess, if you make a trade, um, like you just like let's say a Bradley Beal trade happens and and you end up trading Duncan and Beal or something or Duncan and Tyler, and obviously then you've got that trade exception to use for that, that open roster spot then, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 just a good uh it's a good thing to have for the Heat for sure. Because could, now they could now they could save their biannual. Yeah. Could they waive Myers? They could waive Myers. Yeah, they mm-hmm. could waive Myers. They don't have to waive Myers. That's been a question I've gotten where like like if we use you know, if the if a team uses this exception does that mean Myers is off the team? No, it doesn't mean he's off the team. They could they could open the roster spot by by adding you know by waiving another player. Um, I I, I kind of think they will not waive Myers just because you know he's he, well. First of all, well I guess they could waive him and but he has he has a no trade clause so he can't be traded unless right. he, he approves it. And also you know his contract is valuable as if if, if not, you know for. for just Even if he doesn't play, just work. yeah, just to make yeah. salaries match in a possible trade. Um, so I, I think his salary is is something that could could be something to hang on to just for that reason. Um, so I, I I still think it might be one of the other guys like Chris Silva or you know another guy who's not playing um, to make room for an addition. All right, let's talk about uh, Boogie Cousins. Should the Heat go get him? I think we talked about him a couple weeks ago. I, I mean, I love Boogie. Me too. I, I've been a Boogie. I mean, I, as people might know, I, you know a, I grew up a Wizards fan, so I loved John Wall, and I loved those Kentucky teams, and I loved the idea of teaming up John Wall and Boogie, and that was so fun to see for a couple of weeks uh, to start this year. I've always liked Boogie. Yeah, I, I mean, before the season, I, I was a big advocate for signing Boogie. Like, I I actually, was, yeah, I think we did talk about it yeah. in the offseason. I, but now I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to say no. I, I don't think I. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but I don't think I'd like. That wouldn't be my first option, just because I just don't know how much he would play next to Bam. Like knowing yeah, how Spo works, and what he likes to, you know, the guys he likes to play next to Bam. He likes to play, you know, guys like Jay Crowder or Andre or, um, you know, small ball fours or a guy like Kelly Olynyk or Myers Leonard right. who could spread the floor. Marcus Cousins is not a bad shooter. He's you know he, he attempts he's attempting almost five threes a game, but he's shooting thirty three percent. So uh, yeah, and defensively he's not the same as he you know as he was you know in his prime. Um, he's a, probably a better rebounder than Kelly or Myers um, mm-hmm. at this point still. But um, I don't know. I just think I would try to save the exception for a possible wing who becomes available. Yeah, I agree. I think you know they they. We've talked about it a million times. The thing they're really missing is that Jay Crowder. Like, the fact that Mo Harkless has been a a zero and, and Iguodala playing, you know, playing up a spot has, has not really been effective this year. Um, I, I don't know if Boogie solves that. As much as I love Boogie. And it's not like, it'd be one thing if you we, we had, like, seen flashes of him being, like, a takeover guy. Now that you know a little bit healthier in, in Houston, but you know that that boogie is obviously gone. You you, you got to go totally fit, I think, for that other spot. Are there any names you mentioned the buyout market um, that could potentially be um, 
pretty enticing. Are there any names like that you've just kind of got your eye on, even if they're not, you know, even if they're not waived yet? I mean, Blake is the. I mean, we talked about this last week. Yeah, Blake yeah. is the Blake, guy I'm that's going to be. I, I just want like, would do you think Blake is a better fit than Demarcus at this point? Man, he, Blake looks so bad when I saw them. But I, just, um, you know, I, I agree. But deal wise, yes. Yeah. Right. Right. The mold that Blake is in, it just fits better. I agree. Like well, that's like, why I'm like. get Blake, and he's just also a, not a total zero. I just wonder how much Blake is of this is just it, Blake it, not. Yeah. yeah, the situation, him just being like, I'm just going to take jumpers and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I wonder if things would be a little different if he if he came to the Heat, you know, and was playing for a contender. Um, I, I'm kind of coming around on Blake. I don't think he's, like, the perfect option, but I, I think I would prefer him as a fit over DeMarcus at this point. Um, another guy is, is Trevor Ariza, who basically has not played for Oklahoma City Thunder this entire yeah. season. I know he's a better, you know, he's... That would be very similar to the Iguodala move from last year. Right. He's not exactly young, but <laughs> but he fits the mold of a guy, you know, like you said, like an Iguodala mold where veteran, smart, you know, pretty good shooter, good defender, gives them more depth on the wing. Um, so he's another guy that I could see, but I know he's been rumored, you know, and linked to L.A. Um, yeah, so, he's an L.A. guy. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't think Andre Drummond's a fit. Yeah, no. No, you know, another big who, who doesn't shoot. Um, it doesn't doesn't work, you know, with what the Heat want. Um, and I, I right now I don't really I haven't really seen any other names really surface in the buyout market yet. All right, uh, let's wrap up. As we said, uh, we're recording a little early this week, so uh, we don't have much to say about this Raptors game that hasn't happened yet. But um, the, that seven-game road trip, it's kind of a cliche around the heat, right, that the road trip is like the galvanizing moment, right? How, how I've only been around the team for like two and a half years, and I feel like I've heard that um, at least half a dozen times. Is that fair? This season I've heard it half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> this season, that's true, actually. <laughs> I, I'm talking about like half a dozen specific road trips, not, you know, yeah. I, we're getting a half a dozen times each like interview session. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So it, I don't know. It kind of seems like there was. I mean, as you said at the top, like some good signs. Four and three is a lot better than I think. The dumbest thing we probably do on this podcast is like talk about like what? Oh, they need to go two and five on this stretch or whatever. Um, but I, I don't think either of us said like four and three was. I think both of us kind of went in thinking like three and four was probably like what you're trying to do. Um, and then obviously this time last week when we recorded, it was as dire as the season had been after two really, you know, two really ugly losses, um, early in the trip, but they finish it off pretty strong. Um, the defense has really come around, uh, holding the Lakers under a hundred the other night, uh, pulling away to beat the, the Thunder on Monday night. Um, we're going to do, uh, every, after every game, Anthony does five takeaways, uh, five things you learn from that game. We're going to do five takeaways from the trip here to wrap things up. Um, what's your first one? I would say the defense looks very good. I, I, I'm still not sure I trust it <laughs> over yeah. over a large, you know, over an entire season. Um, but 
the defense has you know, the reason they're winning games re- lately is is their defense. I mean, they're a top yeah. ten unit. I think they're what are they for the season? They are um, eighth in defensive rating. Um, I mean, if you would have told me that before the year, I would have said no. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I mean, they've they've been a really good defensive team this season, especially recently. Um, I think on the road trip they had the you know over that seven game stretch they had the fifth best defensive rating in the league. So they were four and three on this trip. You know the four and th- a winning record on a West Coast trip is always going to be a successful right. trip. Um, but they did it in large part because of their defense, and you know a lot of that's Bam and Jimmy, and them being available and then playing big minutes, um, and what they do on the defensive end. But some of that's also other guys, kind of you know playing better defensively. Like Duncan really hasn't gotten taken advantage of on the defensive mm-hmm. end recently. I mean, Tyler Hero, I know he missed the last game, but he's also been, you know, adequate on the defensive end. Kendrick Nunn's been pretty good defensively. Like, they're playing good team defense. Obviously, they, they, they're, you know, the thing that their defense does is they limit opportunities around the rim and they force you to take a lot of threes. And you look at the numbers, and that's exactly what they're doing. So what the defense is set up to do, it's working. Because I think they're allowing the, the fewest amount of shots at the rim, and they're allowing I think the second most threes in the league. So their defense is working as constructed, and it's a it's effective right now. Yeah, and we talked about it last week that sometimes the, the simplest answer is just like make shots and don't let the other team make shots. And you know they were giving up a lot of threes, like they were they were giving up more at the rim than they wanted to early on, but. The part of, you know, the last year, what was it? They allowed the most threes per game or like second most. They were r- r- way up at the top. That was happening again this year. Teams were just making them. Um, and obviously it's come back down to earth a little bit, uh, which I think we expected. But yeah, you make a good point that like they're just, how many times last year did we come on here and say they just don't have good defensive personnel um, beyond <laughs> Jimmy and, and Bam? And, and they still don't. But there's a huge difference between, like, when you have Duncan getting picked on versus when he's just, like, holding his own. And he, you know, I know in the playoffs, like, he's, he's still going to get picked on. Like, that's going to happen. But in the regular season, I think a lot of times last year, we were pretty impressed by the way he could hold his own um, just with, like, you know, his clearly, like, a very intelligent player and his his size and his length. Like, they're, him being, like, a competent guy is a, a big you know, that's, it's a big swing for them. Because, you know, a guy like Tyler who, you know, again, another guy who I think can make some good plays on defense because he's an intelligent player. He just, you know, he's got short arms. How many times have we heard that? He just doesn't have that lateral. Like, he's just never going to be above a certain threshold as a defensive player. Um, Duncan is the guy who, like, can be not a 3 and D guy, but, like, a 3 and survive on D guy. And, um you know, you need you need him to be that basically, uh, yeah. because of you know we've talked about Iguodala's struggles on offense. Like, the, it's a it's kind of the same thing that's been their problem a lot of the times over the last couple of years is like they don't have a great two way lineup to roll out there, and Duncan is kind of the guy who I, I think has the most two way potential of their like really good, um, like off, the guys you think of in like their good offensive lineups. Yeah, and then I think one of the one of the good like a good indicator of how well the defense is playing, they haven't really used zone much. Like I yeah. think when, yeah. whenever when they're using zone a lot, that that means you know like that that's when you know the defense is struggling. 
Um, they have not used a lot of zone recently, which means the man-to-man defense is holding up, so that's good. All right, what's uh, number two? Um, Jimmy Butler makes a big difference. I know yeah. we've already kind of over this, but like... Yeah, they can be quick here, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. obvious. I mean, it was an 11-point swing, I think I said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. They're a winning team when he's playing. Um, this team is they're – play- they're obviously a playoff team when he's available, but I think they're probably a top five. No, not probably. I think they're a top five team in the East when he's when he's on the court. Um, yeah. Top four, maybe. Um, and we've seen that. Like, yeah, it's been a disappointing start to the season, but if Jimmy can stay on the, on the floor, like, they're going to be a playoff team. They're not going to have to be part of the playing – games like they're going to be somewhere in the five or six i mean what what are they i think they were like two games out of the four seed as of yesterday so they're right there like the eastern conference is um kind of a jumbled mess right now i mean what are your your wizards are like right there too like all of a sudden <laughs> they're um, on a five game winning streak they're the highest team in the league they've, they've charged up the standings yeah like they're you're with like the wizards are a few games out of uh a, a playoff spot so yeah the the, the heat are going to be okay as long as jimmy can stay healthy yeah, if the season ended today, they'd be in a play-in against the Knicks. And I'd feel pretty good about the Heat winning two in a row against the Knicks to to get into the, uh, I guess then they would like play the Nets. I don't really understand how the play-in works in terms of like who gets seated where, but you get the point. Um, Jimmy, honestly, like, is playing about as well. I mean, the finals, obviously, is the best he's played with the Heat, but like, the fact that he's just getting a triple-double basically every night at this point, like, this is as good as he's been, I think, in the regular season uh, since he's gotten to Miami. Yeah, I, I think he's playing better than – yeah, I think he's playing better than he did last regular season. Yeah. Like, just the impact he's having is um, – I mean, it's it's so no- – like, it's hard to miss. Like, this team's yeah. totally different when he's playing. Yeah, it's – um, you know, we, the thing he loves to do is – uh, and I think, you know, I think we could have seen this from him last year if, like, he felt like he needed it. I think it's kind of the difference of this team's role players have just not been as good this year as they were last year. So he's certainly kind of been in that takeover mode a little bit more. And, and that's what makes Jimmy so great is that last year they could kind of, I don't want to say coast through the regular season, but, um, you know, Jimmy got to really be like a facilitator in the regular season and, and have a lot of games where, he didn't show up, but he didn't have to like really exert himself and take over games in the fourth quarter. Um, he is his feel of just knowing when to do what is what makes him special. Not a secret to like people who watch the Heat a lot, but I think this year has just been really good evidence of what makes him so good. For sure. All right, what do you have as number three? Um, I don't know what's going on with the Heat's three point shooting. <laughs> like yeah. I, I just, it, it's weird. Like even in the West Coast trip, um. You know, the three-point shooting was such a strength last season. Um, as we've said repeatedly this year, like, they were second-best, second-most efficient efficient three-point shooting team in the league last season behind the Jazz, who are um, incredibly efficient at the this season. Utah hasn't dropped off a bit. But the Heat has been, you know, not anywhere close to where they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the trip, um, they were – they shot 30 – they shot – 32, 33, basically 33% on threes during the trip. Yeah. And they somehow won. And that's because I think two games they had 70 paint points and another game they had over 60. Like, they were basically just um, going right at the rim. Like, they weren't relying on the three-pointer anymore just because they weren't going in. They were just getting most of their points in the paint and at the free-throw line. Um, but it is something to watch just because it, it is, you know, against good teams, their offense, like, teams are going to try to take away the paint. 
they yeah. need to make outside shots. And um, I think it will improve once Goran comes back. And, you know, I think Duncan's in a little bit of a slump, but um, it does need to improve for them to be um, a good team um, down the stretch. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on it because, like, it's just – it's going to happen at some point or it's not. I think it's going to happen at some point with Duncan, certainly. Uh, I think Tyler's going to be better than he is right now. Uh, uh, you know, those are really – and then you mentioned Goran, obviously. When he comes back, that's only going to help. Um, and I think just continued Kendrick Nunn minutes, if that's going to be a thing, will help also because he's a good shooter. But it is – honestly, the, you, you mentioned the fact that good teams are going to take advantage of that. The thing that, like, worries me about the lack of three-point shooting is it makes you susceptible to the upset from bad teams. Yeah, um, which is so much of what this early part of the season has kind of been defined by is giving up these huge three-point shooting games to you know, teams like the Hornets or the Wiz, you know, just like bad teams that have gone off against the Heat and upset them. And that's going to keep happening if you can't keep up shooting-wise. You know, like, I, I, I think we agree they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to end up like a top six seed, maybe top five, maybe top four. But, like, the thing that will make them, like, eternally frustrating, even if it doesn't, like, give them a hard cap for what they can do in the regular season, I think, is that three-point shooting because, you know, all it takes is, like, Colin Sexton to hit 10 threes one night when you play the Cavs. Like, I don't even think he's that good of a shooter. I don't know what his numbers are, but, like, obviously he's not, like, one of the league's premier three-point shooters, but, like, all you need is some random point guard to hit Ten threes one night, and for you to only hit like nine as a team for an upset to happen, and that yeah, happens w- a lot in the league these days. Yeah, w- winning these ninety-seven to ninety-four games, right, like, that's it's no one nice, that but like there's a reason that, no one else does that. Yeah, like that's not a great formula in today's <laughs> NBA. So they they really need to get better offensively. I think Goran will help. Obviously, like I think he's going to help stabilize things on the end of the court, but the issues are deeper than that. Speaking of Goran, I think you have him as your number four on this list. Yeah, kind of. It's related to Goran, but I'm just really interested to see what Spo is going to do with the guard rotation. Yeah. And Goran returns because I don't know how you take Kendrick Nunn out of the starting lineup. Like he's playing. I just I I am I think that's been the most surprising thing to me this season. Like not that I didn't expect Kendrick Nunn to get back on track, but he's even better than I think he was. For most of last season, he, over the last in February, in ten in ten games, he's averaging mm-hmm. eighteen points, fifty percent shooting from the field, forty three percent on threes, ninety three percent from the free throw line. Like just the level of efficiency, um, that is um, like that efficiency is is uh, if it's not all star level, it's close to all star <laughs> level. Yeah, forty three percent shooting on threes on seven attempts, like that's absurd. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see what they interested to see what they do when Goran returns and and especially when Avery Bradley returns. Um, they can't they don't have they don't have minutes for all those guys and Tyler Hero. So you know, Spoh's gonna have um, some choices to make. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about Kendrick Nunn, and I've, I've kind of been even when he's been in his slumps, I've always kind of talked about the fact that I like him because he's you know he's kind of like your classic bucket getter. Um, he's and I kind of realized. Until he got to the NBA, and even for a little while when he was in the NBA, he's basically been, like, the guy everywhere he's played. You know, he was, like, an elite high school player in Chicago. He was a 
really big recruit when he went to Illinois. Um, I think he played a lot as a freshman. Like, obviously, he's not a, he wasn't like a one-and-done type superstar, but he's a guy who got to Illinois and was one of the focal points of what they were doing and did that all through college and then obviously had a really good year in the G League and, and did it last year. He's just like a good basketball player, and I think he's for a long time kind of survived on his, especially like when he's at Oakland or in the G League where like it's all about just bucket getting, like just get scoring. Um, and that's obviously still probably his, his best skill. Um, you know, that was ready-made when he got to the NBA. He was good at that. And he's expanded his game, I think, which like, you know, I know he's older for, he was a rookie last year. He was an older rookie. So I think people like kind of feel like there's like a cap on him and there probably is, you know, he's not, it's not like he's going to turn into a totally different player in year three or year four, but he's still like learning. Yeah, I think I was going to point that out. The nine assists uh, tied a career high last night. He's gotten a lot better in that area. And then defensively, I think he's a lot better too. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I mean, you can, would you take him out of the starting lineup when Goran returns, or you leave him no, in? No, probably not. Not for a little while. I'd, I'd roll with it, see how it goes. I mean, we don't know when Goran's coming back, I guess, right? So, like, maybe things go off the rails by then, but... Yeah. He, he, for now, I, I like it. I've, I've always said I like him as a catch-and-shoot guy. I think that's a, a part of his game that, like, has a chance to be, like, real. And again, like, he just has literally never had to do that in his life, basically. Like, he's been an elite point guard. Like, I don't know when he became, like, a the best guy in, on his AAU team, but probably since the time he was 10 years old, and it never stopped all the way through the time he got to the Heat last year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. No, I, I, I'm i really happy for Kendrick. Like, it was a tough end to the year for him. It was a tough start to this season for him, but mm-hmm. um, he's playing really good basketball. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. Like, um, yeah, he's, he's in a good spot. All right, uh, what's your last takeaway? Uh, Max Struess is interesting. I I, yeah. I just yeah I I just I don't know like I you know as a two way guy you know at first we didn't even know if he was gonna make the team uh, he makes the team certainly he helps their two way contract helps their shooting what it wasn't great the final two games of the trip he was a three of eighteen in those final two games zero of eight against the Lakers like he missed a lot of shots but mm-hmm. I'm I like the fact that he just he doesn't shy away from it like zero yeah. for eight in twelve minutes on the court like it's not like you know I'm, I know. We all wrote about Duncan early on in his career, like that he that he had to push him to keep shooting when he missed shots. That's not the case with Max Schroes. Took eight shots on national television, went 0 for 8 in 12 minutes, and then he came out and shot three of 10 yeah. um, in 30 minutes. So um, I don't know. I, I like his game. He has some athleticism. I think we saw that in the first game on the trip against Houston. He had that dunk over John Wall. Um, but yeah, his shooting is his big, you know his best skill. Um, but there's more to him than that. Um, I, I really do think he's a, he's a player that is worth investing in for the Heat because I think he could translate into a nice um, bench player for them. A, a couple of parallels for him and Kendrick Nunn, obviously undrafted guys from smaller schools uh, from Chicago or the Chicagoland area. And I kind of I, I, I feel some of the way you just said Kendrick Nunn, you, you like the way he's been playing defense, and I think he's been really solid lately. Struess, like, I don't know, he's got that, he's like, Got a 
thick lower body in the same way Kendrick does, where, like, there's something there where it can be more than just, like, again, I know I was praising the Duncan's potential as a defender because of his length, but he's just, like, so skinny. Like, it's, you know, certain guys are just going to be able to take advantage of him. But those guys that have, like, the thicker lower body, like, they've got the the, the solid base, I guess is what they say. Um, Struth has that. Like, he's, and it's those older, you know, he's an older rookie, I guess, too, so. Um, he's more filled out than a guy who's coming in after just a freshman year, like uh, like Tyler Hero was. But you know, there's, there's stuff to work with there. That both those guys are, are more multi-dimensional than um, I, I think a lot of undrafted guys obviously would be. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they convert him to a standard contract this season, just because it's you know with the new rules this yeah. year of, you know, guys being allowed to be with the team more. Like, they don't really need to convert them this season and make that decision. But um, next year, I mean, I could I could definitely see them, especially if they lose a guy mm-hmm. like Duncan. Like, I could definitely see them finding a way to keep him um, just because, I, yeah, he has the skills that he want, that he like, um, and he has some upside to him. I think he can get better um, yeah. on both ends. All right, uh, let's wrap up there. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, you got anything you're working on or, uh, back from the road trip, just settling back in? Yeah, settling back in. I mean, you know, the, the, the all-star break is coming up, but yeah. the Heat have a chance here to get closer to 500. Um, yeah. they have four, you know, four of their final five games before the break are at home. They're not easy. I mean, they faced Toronto, they faced Utah, you know, two games against Atlanta, which, you know, Atlanta's competitive. Um, so it's not an easy stretch, but if they string together some wins here, they could, after all that, reach the break, um, at 500. And I think it's also worth noting, I think once this podcast is released, the schedule will already be out, but the the second half of the schedule is expected to be released uh, this week very soon. So we'll know, we'll know some more about that in a few days. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. As I said earlier, I'll be uh, spending the next, most of the next two weeks up in Lakeland, Florida uh, for some high school basketball state championships, which is always fun. Although it's like a little PTSD because it's like, Really, the last big event I covered before COVID started. That Charlotte Hornets heat game was a big event. That Charlotte Hornets was the last one, but this was like the one where people from all over the state was like, "Yeah, this is such a good idea." <laughs> I let me. I have to tell you, I don't remember the name of the restaurant. I have to look it up. But the best Cuban food I've ever eaten. And it's really I'm good. I know, I know what place you're talking about. Downtown. Like kind I don't of know. It's arena. in a. It was no. It was close to the arena, but it was in a strip mall. Um, okay. I went not really expecting much because, you know, it's Lakeland. It's not known for yeah. Cuban food. Um, and it was so good. Like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to find the name. It just, I, and it was, it was a family from Miami that had moved up there and yeah, opened yeah. a restaurant and it was really, really good. So, right. so for all the Lakeland find... Magic fan listeners, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that for you next week. Yeah. Hopefully they'll sponsor us next week. Pick a sponsor from right. Lakeland. Yeah. All right, thanks as always for listening, guys, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week.